Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. And you are listening to the, as we said, I mean, I guess I'm just repeating myself there. I think you like the sound of your own voice, though. I, well, I do. I mean, somebody's got to like the sound of your voice. Well, that's true. I, nobody else does, so I feel like I have to. Got to pull my weight I'm around sorry. here, and there's that's a I'm lot mute. of pulling that needs to be done. Let me unmute you so I can hear your voice. Oh, okay. Is that just how this works? Is it you just mute me the entire time and pretend like you're listening? I see what you did there. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you picked up on that. Uh-huh. All right. Well, this is the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, you are joined this evening by myself, John Reed. I also have, uh, what do we What do we say that your nickname was? Was it Amigo Supreme? The Amigo Supreme. Jefe, the, the Amigo Supreme. Hola. Okay. We were just talking about, you know, Jeff. Jeff is the most popular of all of us. His His solo episode was the one that is the most downloaded, followed closely by the Three Amigos, our 50th episode. Uh, so we, we decided that, or I, I guess we, I, if, if we're using the royal we, I decided, or we decided, that uh, Jeff was now going to be referred to as Jefe the Amigo Supreme. Gracias. So you're welcome. De nada. Um, and then Patrick, I believe Patrick is going to be joining us here shortly. Uh, he he has not quite right. arrived yet, but, um, you know, that's the story of our lives. Um, but he should be joining us here shortly. And uh, tonight we're gonna we're gonna take a little a little walk down memory lane, and, and memory lane will take us into the woods. And and uh, I'm scared. Okay, I, I kind of figured you would be, so I, I, we might back out there just a little bit and, and not go that far into the woods. Um, we're gonna be talking Harry and the Hendersons. So for all of yes. you Bigfoot fans, Bigfoot, uh, Sasquatch, um, the Big Yeti, feet. Big Feet, Big um, Feet fans. The uh, the the wood booger. Um, oh yeah. What are some of the other names? The wood booger. The skunk ape. I've not heard that one. You haven't heard that one. No. Um. Oh man, there was another one I used to know. I, wood booger was another one, but there was another one I used to know that was the like a, a southern name for Bigfoot that was kind of funny. I mean, I'll see if I can find it later. Regardless of that, uh, we will be talking about Harry and the Hendersons. Very, very quickly, just as we always do, uh, we want to let you know that we do spoil the events of the movie. So if you have not seen it yet, we're going to talk about the movie. We might talk about the story. Uh, we may talk about other movies that are slightly related to this one, and we might give some stuff away. But these are all 30 years old. So if you haven't seen them yet, go watch them. Come on back. Uh, and we would love it if you'd just come on back and listen to us. And then when you listen to us, you could subscribe to our podcast. You can do that through iTunes, uh, Satchel, 
Stitcher, uh, Google Play, all those different places you can go to get podcasts. I think we're on most of them. Uh, you can subscribe to the show. Um, you can give us a rating and a review on iTunes or any of those other places that you can rate your podcasts. Uh, and then you can then you can tell all of your friends about us because we're nice guys for the most part. Yeah, I think so. I think you and I are, and and, and Pat's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bo's and I always been nice to me whenever I see him. Bo's a nice guy. So I did I leave anybody else out? Dennis. I. Who's that? He's the one that shows up when there's food. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Oh, and that. Well, that's why when we when, when we do this as up, a then he'll he'll show up. Gotcha. Okay. So when we're when we're not in person, he just doesn't show up at all. You know, I'm. Who am I to judge? I've missed a number of these things as well. If, yeah, but you know, you're not Dennis. He's older no, and easier to I, pick on. Jefe, el amigo supreme. That's right. We don't we don't pick on Jefe, the amigo supreme. Hey, Let's, here's a spoiler alert. Ooh, Harry do it. is actually Pat's father. Who is? Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. That's I, Pat's father. I would believe that they actually look very very similar. All the hair and. Mm-hmm. Smell. Yeah, I did. saw a picture of, of Pat by the pool one time. Looked exactly like Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. I don't know what to do with that. I don't either. I'm just going to leave that where it is. Let somebody else pick that up if they want to. Um, so we do have. So you know, Pat should be coming here shortly, and I know that when Pat gets here, he's definitely going to want to talk about this. But uh, let's get going with. We just got a couple things real quick before we get into talking Harry and the Hendersons. Um, we wanted to talk just a little bit about the new Logan trailer that came out. Well, should we wait? Should we hold off on the Logan trailer to Pat's here? And do you want to wait until he can squeal about it? Yeah. Should we start with the Star Wars? Okay, Pat's let's go to Star Wars then. Let's do that one. Okay. Star Wars. Um, so today, you actually are the one that came in and told me this happened because I was. I, I abandoned my students in the library under the watchful eye of our building librarian thanks lily your office to let you know of the news because you're you're an amazing fit you i mean you're jefe el amigo supreme see as labrador there you go yep so you came in and you came in to tell me what the announcement of the title for the star wars episode eight that's right folks we are that big of a group of nerds that we get excited over the title of a movie being announced. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I see nothing wrong. I, I have no problem with it. Uh, so the title of Star Wars Episode Eight is The Last Jedi. And uh, we, we actually got that title hidden within the opening crawl of The Force Awakens. I think there's a point at the end of the, or somewhere in the middle of The Force Awakens crawl where it talks about the First Order you know, rising from the ashes of the Empire, and it will not stop until it does something about it will not stop until it destroys Luke Skywalker, comma, the last Jedi, and then says something else. Um, so, see, we've known about it for like a year and a half. It's always been there. It's been there the entire time. And so has Ray's father. Whoa. That sounds like a major prediction. Yeah. You, you want to you, you go for yours? I, you know, I, I get so like sucked into all these fan theories and everything. And I don't know if I have any predictions of my own at this point. Mm-hmm. So the one that I found today though, that I'm, I'm really thinking about, um, is that Ray is a Palpatine. Okay. 
And then you have good trying not to be evil versus evil trying not to be good. I like it. I'm a and, fan. And I, I am going to credit that to Brad Meltzer because uh, he's the one that uh, that I saw share that. So I don't know if that was his original prediction or if he uh, if he saw it somewhere else. But I came across that today, and uh, I've been thinking a lot about that. I think that I mean it just sounds like it's a great setup, makes for a great story. I think I, I think it would be a cool way to do it because I was actually before we started recording, I was telling you, I liked that part of to me that was interesting about the Force Awakens, where it was more the story was more about because I remember growing up as a kid and watching the other Star Wars movies, the the story, the the struggle was always Luke's got to be so careful that he doesn't do anything to, you know, to to slide toward anger or hate or you know he's got to struggle to stay away from the dark. And then they flipped it on its head in The Force Awakens where you've got Kylo Ren who is struggling to stay away from the light. Like he feels the pull of the light. And I thought that part was kind of interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go with my prediction. And my prediction is that uh, Rey is not a Skywalker. She is, is not a Solo. She's not a Kenobi. And she is not a Palpatine. I'm going to go with... She's a hut? Ray is a Jawa. Interesting. You don't know what they look like under those hoods. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point in all that little jibber-jabbering that they did in, uh, in the original Star Wars, I, they probably may have even said the word Ray. Well, now you got to go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's my whole thing. And I'm... I'm going to have, I'm, no, I'm not, uh, an entire blog post in which I detail all the reasons why I think Ray is a Jawa. I'm looking forward to pretending to read that. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to pretending to write it. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. So we got all that, all that, everything solved. All the problems of the world solved. All the Star Wars issues solved, all the theories. Um, what about this title, title The Last Jedi? What do you, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it can be interpreted in, in multiple ways. Um, first of all, is it singular or plural? Secondly, is it last because there's only one or last because there just doesn't need to be any more after this final group? Or is it like the last starfighter and Ray is going to discover the Jedi power of the death blossom? No. No? Okay. Right. Yes. I just thought I would throw that out there. I don't think we need a Death Blossom in Star Wars. We don't need a Death Blossom. We didn't need a Death Blossom in The Last Starfighter, no. but we got it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, that, what, I'm, what I'm curious to see, like, like you, what I'm curious to see is, um, you know, it seems like it's referring to Luke, and I think, I, I think in an article that I was reading today, um, after... I saw that they had announced that as the title after you came in and told me about it. Um, that I think that I think they had an article where they talked to the director to Ryan Johnson, and he said that this movie was really going to explore what Luke has been up to, and was really going to focus fairly heavily on him. So I'll be curious to see. You know, we've had several several mentions by several different people over a couple of movies that that he's the last of the Jedi. You know, you got Yoda. 
at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, um, saying, when gone am I, the last of the Jedi will you be? And then we've, we had it in the opening crawl of The Force Awakens. And um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm wondering, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit earlier today, I'm wondering if this is Disney's way or the writer's way of opening up the Force and opening up these stories to be more than just the Jedi, that you can have these people that use the Force, but they're not so tied into, you know, we've kind of gotten rid of the Sith, so they're not, you know, the bad guys don't have to be called Sith anymore, and they don't have to necessarily follow those rules. Um, are we going to do the same with the good guys? Are we going to kind of do away with the idea of the Jedi and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to skip out on this religious order, and we're going to do something a little different with it, and we're not going to we're not going to have a formal Jedi order or, or Jedi Knight type thing going forward. So I'm kind of curious to see what they end up doing with this and, and, uh, and what's going to end up happening. And, um, I'm still trying to decide if I think Luke's going to die at the end of this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, the title, and I said this earlier today, the title to me would be more fitting for episode nine than episode eight. Yeah. Because of the finality and, and how it sounds. That being said, you know, the hell do I know about what they're planning on right. doing with this? So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The one thing that I'm a little sad about now is knowing that I'm I'm wondering how they're going to handle. I really am curious to know what happened with Carrie Fisher's scenes in in episode eight. And I I'd heard a couple of rumors here and there. And again, these are rumors. It's not necessarily spoilers because we have no idea. Um, but I had heard a couple of rumors that it's possible that her reunion with Luke, her brother, was going to be saved until episode nine. In which case. To me, that makes it doubly sad because, you know, you would have hoped that some of her final scenes would have been, you know, she was with Harrison Ford in this one, and and you would hope that her character would be able to get to be reunited with her brother in the next one. But um, I did hear a couple of people, a couple of rumors out there that said, you know, maybe those scenes were being saved until episode nine, which now they won't happen. But um, I'll be curious to see what they do with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... It's it's pretty ambiguous right now to try to really figure it out. I think it's interesting that, you know, we get one title and all of a sudden there's so much speculation. Yeah. And you know, you, you know, people even mentioned like like you said, the color of the Star Wars logo. Oh yeah. People on Twitter were going nuts. Was it was changed to red. And the thought is that it it somehow indicates uh, the Sith or evil. Ooh, ooh, what if Luke is a Palpatine? Oh, that'd be interesting. And what if Rey is a Skywalker and she's the last Jedi? My mind's kind of blown right now. There you go. But why would Luke be a Palpatine when we know that he's a Skywalker? Because I'm throwing out unreasonable theories. Isn't that what we do on the internet? Oh, okay. I mean, I just, anything that pops in my head, I just, I figure that's a valid theory. So I throw it out there. 
Fair enough. Luke is a Henderson and Chewie is a Bigfoot. Whoa. There you go. I, our work is done here. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Yeah. We, we've blown all of your minds. Have a good night. Um, Harry and the Hendersons, there's a big, hairy Bigfoot, and he comes into people's houses. The and end. speaking of hairy beings, I see we have Patrick joining us now. Hi. I'm oh, hey. Here. How are you doing, you Pat? Hear- I'm doing well. Can you guys hear me okay, or is it all kind of distorted? No, you're good. Dude, I just wandered in in the middle of this podcast, and all I heard was something about Ray is the last Skywalker, and then the last Jedi, and then Harry and Chewbacca are like the same. It was like I wish I had a, I wish I could just start every podcast with something as uh, as a uh, uh, abstract as that. Hey, that we do what we can. Awesome. No, we were just talking a little bit about the uh, the title that was sent out today for the the new Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling pretty good. That's that's something to be excited about. I think. I yeah yeah, and it's funny because I think right after I saw you two guys uh, sitting in the office and discussing how that had been released, I had students to work with after school, and I go walking down and I sit down and the two guys are sitting there after school and they're uh, um, they're working on a duet uh, for solo ensemble contest. So both guys are sitting there. And I hear them just kind of talking, and they're quick putting their phones away. And they're like, Mr. C, did you hear that the title of the new Star Wars movie just dropped? It happened four hours ago. We're pretty excited. <laughs> and I said, well, guys, I just actually left a couple of buddies of mine. And we're all very excited about this as well. So there was much discussion before the lesson got started as to what does that last Jedi really mean? Yeah. So it was, I found that rather humorous. Well, and now I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing a trailer. I know yeah. that they... I know that they were waiting to make sure that Rogue One was able to find its feet and, and you know, do its thing. And I think now that Rogue One has passed a billion, I, I think we're probably okay. So I think it's trailer time. Yeah, I think um, it did okay. Yeah, you know, the little movie that could, we like to call it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's okay now that I, I think that uh, I don't think audiences are going to be confused anymore that that was not episode eight. And I think we can we can throw a trailer out here pretty soon. Speaking of trailers, we uh, we decided to save this one until you got here, Pat, because you know we know how excited you can get. Now the uh, we were going to talk for just a minute or so about the new Logan trailer, which I know you didn't enjoy at all. I know. Holy cow, that thing was awesome. Hello. You know you got to pay for that, right? Not okay. We got ourselves an X-Men fan. Maybe a quarter of it happened. And not like this. In the real world, people die. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. Logan. Just stop. Be careful. I need the girl. What girl? Go get it. No. No.
No. No. And we're down. She's like you. Very much like you. I am not whatever it is you think I am. She needs our help. Someone will come along. Someone has come along. This is what life looks like. People who love each other. A home. You should take a moment. Feel it. You still have time. I just every everything everything about that trailer just fills me with more questions than I have. You know, I, I usually go into th- these comic book movies with a lot of knowledge and not mm-hmm. really a whole lot of questions. You know, questions like, well, okay, well, how will they portray this? Or how will they depict what I'm so used to reading in the comics as this? This movie, I'm going into it going, I, mm, I don't even know. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Now, I'm sure if I had read the Old Man Logan comic, which I have not read that, um, everything I'm hearing is that this movie is, is based... I don't know, loosely. I don't know how loosely, because, again, I haven't read the comic, um, mm-hmm. but is based on some of those characters and, and maybe some situations. But this is one of the first, I think, superhero comic book type movies that I'm going into lately where I have no clue what's going to happen, and I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, man, I just, I don't know. I just, it, it just checks all the boxes for, yep, that looks pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep, that looks pretty awesome. Yep, that looks pretty awesome. Um, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be pretty fantastic. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a, again, this is total speculation cause we don't know anything. Um, don't know anything about the movie. Don't know anything about the story. There was a little, a little snippet in that trailer for like a second or so. Mm-hmm. That's got me thinking Wolverine's going to die at the end of this movie. Yeah, I suppose it's all, it's all, it's all fair game. You know what I'm saying? It's all fair game. Mm-hmm. Well, especially too, if it, the plan is that this takes place either in a different reality or far, further into the future, mm-hmm. then why not kill him off? Why not let him go out and, in a way that isn't going to really put you in a position where you have to recast Wolverine? Right. Mm-hmm. And they actually did, I know we were talking about that earlier today too, they did uh, clarify, the director came out and clarified, Hugh Jackman had gone on Twitter, I guess, and had said a couple of things, or in an interview, had said a couple of things about how this was going to be in an alternate universe from the rest of the X-Men movies. The director of Logan, James Mangold, came out today and said, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, just to clarify, he kind of meant different tone, not necessarily different universe, he said, we set this movie five years ahead of anything that you've seen in any of the X-Men movies, just so we'd have the freedom to do whatever we wanted. So the the thought is this takes place in, in the year 2029, and that's at least five years beyond anything you've seen in any of the other movies. Um, mm-hmm. So 
given that, you may still have some of the same history, and obviously we've got, you know, the same Professor X and the same Wolverine. and um, But, yeah, that it, it could be tied into the rest of the X-Men stuff, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, get, I get excited that uh, they show that comic book, and you know, or they yeah. show them saying, it looks like we got an X-Men fan here. Well, only, you know, a quarter of it happened and not in the way they wrote down here. That makes me wonder if they're going to just write these characters that, okay, we're not trying to do a movie that lives up to the superpowers of the comics, you know, with the colorful costumes and everything like that. Now we're going to do a movie that's, okay, this is supposed to just be a, this is just supposed to be a more realistic tone. Yeah. You know, this is, and so, yeah, I, I, I can't even begin to fathom what that means. I mean, are they going to walk by a grave and you're going to see, you know, gravestones that say Jean Grey and Cyclops and everything like that? Or is, like, the Cyclops and Jean Grey and everything that we... Um, no, well, it's they kind of alter how that takes place. You know what I'm saying? It's just I don't know right. which way they're going to approach it. I don't know, but every time they bring out a trailer for this movie, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm ready to. It's it's one of those like take your wallet out and throw it at the computer screen type things. Yeah, and I like see, I like seeing Wolverine uh, charge through all those guys and just start clawing all of them down and. Uh, 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 the uh, the girl, you know, run up his back and jump over the top of him and attack right. guys, and you know, it's it's it it looks like they've they've choreographed some pretty awesome fights. And I'll tell you, the stuff that really has the goosebumps going for me is uh, when it shows. It looks like Xavier sitting in front of a window, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, it, it looks like he's doing something like with mental powers, and mm-hmm. there's like people trying to fight their way closer to him or yeah. something, and. Um, it's I, I I find that interesting. Yeah, I'll be, interesting is the wrong word. I find that what am I trying to say? Hard to look away. Yeah. Hard to get past that. Like, what's going on there? Yeah. Well, and I think this is going to kind of bring back from the very first X Men movie. You had that kind of, you know, in in her mind with Rogue, um, with Anna Paquin in the first X Men movie with Rogue, it was kind of a. I don't know. I don't want to say it was like a, a love story type thing. I think maybe in her eyes, she kind of was had a little crush on Logan. Um, but for him, I think it was more of like a father daughter type relationship. And mm-hmm. in this movie, I think you're going to see the the best parts of that taken like ten steps further. Mm-hmm. And have this be like, what would it be like if you know Logan has over the years he's he's mellowed out a little bit and. Uh, you know he'll he'll still slash a guy's throat open, but uh, he's mellowed out enough that uh, he can he can be a bit more of a father figure than maybe even what he was ready to be back in the original X Men movie. Mm-hmm. And I'll be curious mm-hmm. to see that that they've really, you know, I guess if you have a character and you you have the same actor going for what is it seven or eight movies now, then you, right. can, you can do a little bit of character development if you've had seven or eight movies to do it with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I'm just blown away because, you know, like they said, it's, um, I read on this article, it said it's, it'll be his ninth appearance as Logan or Wolverine and in 17 years. And I'm trying to think of how many other people have portrayed the same person for 17 years. So Wolverine has basically become our, uh, our modern day James Bond. Yeah. but, But I mean, even that it's, it's a different guy after, you know, three, four or five movies. Right. 
Kelsey Grammer did it. Okay. Playing Frazier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so there you go. That's all I got. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, I just can't believe, I just can't believe how far that's gone. And, and, and you know, you always get into the discussion of, well, Hugh Jackman's an awesome Wolverine, but, you know, there's, you know, these exceptions between him and the comic book or him and the cartoon mm-hmm. or whatever. But, I mean, still, that's just like, he is the Wolverine. I mean, that's, that's, he has just brought that character to life, you I, know? I remember back in the 90s when they announced him as being Wolverine. Oh. I remember reading, because I was getting some of the, the comic book magazines at the time, and, and people were like, he's too tall. Yeah. Like, Wolverine's supposed to be short. He's too tall. It's not going to be good. Give him a chance. Yeah. see how he does. Yeah. Yeah, I... Wow. Yeah, I I mean, I remember sitting at... You know, I remember sitting in a tent at a Boy Scout camp out with my buddy Kevin talking about, all right, if they're ever going to do an X-Men movie, who should they cast as Wolverine? And then I remember when I saw, like you said, the the X-Men trailer came out, and wherever I was, it was like... You know, I just got my first cell phone or something, and mm-hmm. I, I, I looked up Kevin's number. I'm like, dude, I just passed an X-Men poster. You're never, you know, and he had just seen the same thing, too, and we were all excited about it. Now you just think of where that's come and what, what, he's, what he's brought to that character um, or what he's brought to us by bringing that character alive. It's, I, I'm, I'm very excited for March 3rd. So, Pat, if, if we go see this movie together, are you going to stay mm-hmm. awake? Dude, I don't know, man. I just might be so excited. I might like need to take a little nap in the middle, but I'll probably like, I'll probably like plan ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll probably like sleep through the previews and like set my alarm to wake myself up. Um, I might take a nap during the day. What day is it? The third is a what? Third's probably, I, with these movies, it's usually like a, maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday. Okay. I'll have to look at all right. Well, whatever it is, I'll probably like sleep on my desk at like during my plan periods March and just be all like rested up. Yeah, March third is a Friday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll probably, like I said, I'll probably just like sleep on my desk during that Friday at school, you know, and uh, just take a little nap and then save up the energy and then be good to go. Oh man, see if you and I actually I have a conference to be at that entire day. Friday the third. Mm-hmm. Oh well, that's, you know that's the big it'll uh, be this... the big ice conference. So I gotta. <sighs> hmm. No worries okay. about that, that's man. That's all right. I can do that all day and then go see a movie. Yeah, I don't know if that works, but you know, it's gonna be the same movie if we go see it on Saturday or Sunday, or maybe we'll see it all three days. No, I don't it won't. It's not the same. It's not the same. Nope. It, it won't be as good. The claws won't be as sharp. Yep. <sighs> all right. Well, do we have anything else to say about Logan? You know, before, real quick, before we uh, run away from comics. Yeah. Have you guys seen the trailer for this new TV show, Powerless? Oh, I did. That look, it looks funny. Just, did you see the trailer that included Starro? No. Yeah. So, it's, uh, so in the latest trailer for it, there's a glimpse of Starro that looks to be getting um, attacked by a bright green light of willpower really yeah i'll show it to you tomorrow if you uh, if you're in the building but, I, yeah. you can so, i probably watch it before then but you can show me it again too <laughs> so jeff i mean uh, uh uh fill me in i i mean like i know 
just about like nothing of what you're talking about. So fill me in on what this, this new, uh, this thing is you're, you're speaking of. So there's a new TV show coming out called powerless and it's okay. looking at non superhero folk being heroes in a superhero world. Oh, um, and it takes place, uh, in the DC comics, uh, reality. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the main character works for, uh, as the director of research and development for Wayne security. Okay. And that yeah. was, that was hilarious in the trailer too. Yeah. I was like, I can't get, I can't believe I get to work for Bruce Wayne. No, 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 no. It's his cousin. Yeah. So Bruce Wayne's cousin <laughs> sort of oversees this entire, uh, this entire division. Okay. And, and let's, and let's say he's maybe not as honorable or straightforward, straight laced as Bruce Wayne, maybe. Yeah. He's just, kind of aloof and trading on his cousin's name and okay and uh being played by alan tudyk who is a very great comedic actor so the more the more that i read about this k2so show, so in the uh, rogue one movie the, uh, bla- the, the more, black more imperial I... droid got it i uh i'm getting more and more interested uh in this movie Cool. And, uh, the fact that they have Starro as somehow being involved really intrigues me. So, okay, well, I'll have to go look at that other trailer now because I saw one of them that was on TV, but I didn't see the one with Starro. Yeah. It's, okay. Well, I'll take a look at that. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. What channel is it going to be coming out on? Or is it a movie? I'm sorry, I missed that. Was it a movie or is it a TV show? It's, gonna, it's a TV show. Okay. I'm not sure what channel it's going to be on. Yeah, is it CBS maybe? Hmm, I don't remember. Yeah, we can go look for it. Uh, on Fox, now I know I know which channel this one's on. On Fox, uh, have you seen what they're going to do with the, the TV show called Legion? No. So I'm kind of curious about this because now what I'm hearing, I'm hearing it's getting pretty good previews uh, from critics and from people who have seen the first couple episodes or so. Um, do you know anything about the story of Legion from Marvel Comics? I do not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Legion actually caused my... And for those of you that came for Harry and the Hendersons, we're getting there. We'll just, if you want to <laughs> skip ahead like five, ten minutes or so, then we'll get there. Um, too much awesome stuff. Too much awesome stuff. Well, you know what? If you like Bigfoot, you probably like this stuff too. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> But the story of Legion actually brought about one of my favorite comic book stories ever. And that was, I don't know if you ever read in the 90s, they had an X-Men story called The Age of Apocalypse. I think so. Okay. This was a story where uh, a character named Legion, who happens to be Charles Xavier's son, um, has these crazy mind powers that he can't, like they're so powerful, he can't really control them, so they drive him insane. And if I'm remembering correctly, he... I don't know if they kept him sedated or somehow they kept him from being able to think straight so that he could use his powers. And somehow he broke free of that. Like, I don't know if his powers developed to the point where he couldn't be sedated and he couldn't, couldn't be stopped like that anymore. And what ended up happening was he somehow, and I'm, I'm blanking out on this part of the story, but he somehow went back in time mm-hmm. and he caused it so that instead of Charles Xavier 
being crippled um, when he was shot or, or whatever it was that he ended up dying. And you, there may be some comic book fans that are like, oh, you're totally telling the story completely wrong, but I'm just, I'm going off memory here. I haven't looked any of this up. Um, mm-hmm. That he caused uh, Professor Xavier to die as opposed to be crippled. So instead of the X-Men being formed by Professor X, they were formed by Magneto because Magneto was going to kind of lean towards an evil path, but because he wanted to honor the memory of his friend who died, um, he ended up forming the X-Men. But because Xavier wasn't there as the world's most powerful telepath to stop certain things, the character of Apocalypse, the big blue guy that was in the last movie too, uh, he ended up taking over the world. And so oh. the world, it's kind of this post-apocalyptic world. Where, ah, see what I did there with the post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. the guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he ends up taking over the world, and he pretty much runs everything, and some of the characters are, well, most of the characters are slightly different in some way. So Magneto is running the X-Men with Rogue. Um, and I, I want to say that they're married. Um, and so they are kind of like a little bit of like an underground resistance, almost like a a terrorist organization that's trying to fight against Apocalypse and his people. And then you had people like um, uh, Cyclops worked for Apocalypse. You had uh, Beast was Apocalypse's, kind of like his version of Dr. Mangala from from World War II. Um, Then you had all Uh, these other characters that they were all just slightly different in some way. Uh, Wolverine was, I don't know if he was married to Jean Grey or if they just were kind of together uh, and he was walking around with only one hand because it, at okay. some point um, he and Cyclops were fighting over Jean Grey and he blasted his hand off. Okay. Um, but it was all, everything was, was slightly different in some way about it. Um, and then that lasted for maybe four, three or four months in the comics. And then they ended up, there ended up being something where they figured out, oh, wait a minute, this all went wrong because... Professor Xavier was killed. We need to go back in time and fix that so that this world doesn't end up becoming what it is. Um, and they end up fixing it. But um, but that was the story of Legion. Now I don't know what, I don't know how this Legion is going to tie into the rest of the X Men universe, but it is connected to the X Men. So it's going to be a TV show on Fox. I don't remember what night it's going to be on, but apparently it's gotten some pretty good previews from people who have seen the first couple of episodes. So I'm kind of curious uh, to, to check that one out and see what they decide to do with that. Cool. There's just a lot of good stuff right now. Have you seen the, yeah. the pictures of um, the Joker on Gotham? Mm, no. I Well, no. I gave up on Gotham a while ago, but I've seen... I know, I, I know you gave up on it. Yeah. Um, I've seen some pictures of that of the Jerome character, and he's got like all the stitching on his face. Is that the? Yeah. Okay. Is that the one they're going with? Is he going to be? I so I I haven't watched it since it returned last week. Okay. Um. But it seems to be that that's the way that they're going. And I liked him. If if you had told me back when that his character first came on the show that they were going to have him portray the Joker, I I could have told you back then that I was totally absolutely fine with that. That that kid just he looked like a Joker to me. Yeah, I was very shocked when they um, when they 
killed the character off initially. Yeah. I'm sending you guys the picture right now. Okay. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, when, when they killed the character off, I don't know, last season, I think. Yeah. It was pretty shocking because everyone was like, oh, this guy's going to be the Joker. And then all of a sudden he was gone. Like, oh, maybe not. But I guess he, he's, uh, he's making a return and very much looks like the uh, Death in the Family mm-hmm. storyline yeah. from the newer, from the previous reboot before the current DC storyline. The preboot? The preboot. Okay. Dude, preboot, that's a great word. Be careful now, because like in, in a couple years, we're going to have to talk about the, the pre-pre-preboot. Because <laughs> now instead of rebooting comics every 10 years, they're going to do it like every year or every two years. Yeah. The, the... But hey, as long as we draw the line at two ninety nine, I'm okay. <laughs> but that's a whole other podcast. That is actually, in fact, a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. Do we want to? Uh, do we want to start talking about hairy people? Yeah. Oh wait. I, I enjoy <laughs> that Pat is the one that spoke up as soon as I said that. Uh, I resemble that remark. You do. Pat was talking about himself. Well, no. <laughs> what can I say, man? I do. I do. All right. Well, this time around, we are talking Harry and the Hendersons. It came out June 5th, 1987. Uh, rated PG. Uh, was directed, produced, and written by William Deere. Um, a few other people, too, but he did a lot of work for it. Uh, he is the director, also, of Angels in the Outfield and Wild America. He produced the 1993 uh, TV version of Journey to the Center of the Earth which and the only reason that I know anything about that uh, little kind of TV movie, TV miniseries that they did for Journey to the Center of the Earth was I was living in England at the time, and my uncle, the one who showed me all the movies that I shouldn't have seen as a kid, um, he knew mm-hmm. that I was really, he knew I was a big Star Trek fan at the time, and that was when this brand new show had come on in the States, it wasn't going to be on in England for several more months, if not a year, uh, called Deep Space Nine. So... He put a whole bunch of the uh, first episodes of the first season of Deep Space Nine on a VHS tape for me. And then he thought, I guess one night, then he caught this Journey to the Center of the Earth TV movie and put it on the end of the VHS tape. He's like, ah, here, you'll like this one too. So that's the only reason I know anything about that Journey to the Center of the Earth uh, 1993 one. Another producer on this one was Richard Vane. He also produced The Boy Who Could Fly, Home Alone 2, Jingle All the Way, and Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Writer uh, William Deere, the director, also wrote part of the story for this one. He also wrote part of the story for The Rocketeer, um, which, again, must be why I like this movie, too, because if he's the writer of The Rocketeer and this, then... He's got to be doing something right. Go, William Deere. Uh, Bill Martin, who died in 2016 was also a writer on this. He was a voice actor in a lot of Star Wars video games, and he was the voice of the Shredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the original cartoon during the last two seasons. He took over as the voice of the Shredder. Uh, another writer on this one was Ezra D. Rappaport, who also wrote a movie called Deja Vu and two episodes of the Harry and the Hendersons TV show. Music for this one was done by Bruce Broughton. Broughton? Broughton? probably saying that wrong, uh, did a lot of the music for the TV show Dallas, uh, The Monster Squad, uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, and the movie Tombstone. The budget for this one was $16 million. The box office was $50 million. 
starring in this one. We have John Lithgow, who played George Henderson. He was in Twilight Zone, the movie, Footloose, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, uh, The Manhattan Project, Shrek, Third Rock from the Sun, and more recently, the TV series on Netflix, The Crown, where he played Winston Churchill. Uh, Melinda Dillon played Nancy Henderson. She was, of course, in A Christmas Story as Ralphie's mom. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, she was in the movie Magnolia, and I did find out she was actually Captain America's mom in the 1990 Captain America movie that was really horrible. Huh. Yeah, did not know that. Yeah, I've I, seen that movie a really long that. time ago, but yeah, she played Mrs. Rogers. Uh, Margaret Langrick played Sarah Henderson, the daughter. She was in a movie called My American Cousin, Cold Comfort, and American Boyfriends. Joshua Rudoy played Ernie Henderson, the younger son. He was in Flatliners and the TV series American, uh, not American, Amazing Stories. Uh, Kevin Peter Hall played Harry. He died in 1991, and we'll actually talk a little bit more about his death here in just a minute because it is a very, very sad story. Uh, he was the Predator in both Predator and Predator 2. He was in Big Top Pee Wee, and he played, uh, for the first few seasons, he played Harry in the Harry and the Hendersons TV show. David Suchet played Jacques Lafleur. He was in Iron Eagle, uh, Poirot, and A Perfect Murder. Uh, Lainey Kazan played Irene Moffat. She was in The Delta Force and My Big Fat Greek Wedding 1 and 2. Don mm-hmm. Amici died in 1993, and he played Dr. Wallace Wrightwood. He was in the two Cocoon movies, Trading Places and Coming to America. M. Emmett Walsh has been in everything we've watched recently. Uh, mm-hmm. He was George Henderson Sr. He was in Blade Runner, Fletch, Raising Arizona, Wildcats, Back to School, uh, you pick something in these few years in the 80s, and he's probably in it. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics were not kind to this one. They gave it a 44%. The audience gave it a 54%. So apparently not popular with the uh, the online audiences there. Interesting. Um, both Siskel and Ebert hated this movie. Good, good. They both gave it a thumbs down on their show. Siskel said, I saw this movie with an adoring crowd, but I didn't buy much of it. It's no E.T., Harry the ape reminded me of the big orangutan in Clint Eastwood's Every Which Way But Loose, but that ape was a whole lot funnier. It's a very manipulative movie that anyone who's seen E.T. has seen before. Ebert also gave it a thumbs down and said, what it lacks is any sense of awe about the fact that there could be a Bigfoot, an unknown creature living in the woods with a mind of its own. We're interacting with, essentially, a wind-up toy. Harry is so cute, so gentle, so lovable, that there is no sense of mystery and no sense of awe. There's no belief that he's really Bigfoot. Cinema score gave it an A minus. Uh, for this one, it won an Oscar. Uh, Rick Baker won the Oscar for Best Makeup. Uh, it was nominated for uh, four different Saturn Awards for Best Fantasy Film, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Makeup. Uh, won a Genesis Award for Best Feature Film Comedy and was nominated for three Young Artist Awards for Best Young Actress, Best Young Actor, and Best Family Motion Picture. So a quick summary of the movie. The Henderson family returns home from a camping trip in the woods, but not before they hit an animal with their car and decide to bring the roadkill home. They strap it to the roof and continue on their way, but when they arrive home, they discover it's not quite dead. I'm feeling much better. (laughs) Not dead yet. For ages, he is hidden in the forest. Eluded hunters baffled scientists and remained a mystery until the Hendersons bumped into him. What is it? It's a major discovery. We have to take it home. 
sighting of the creature that some people are now calling. Harry! Harry? What is the other name? Since right now. The average American family just got bigger. Harry and the Hendersons. Isn't he something? So the interesting, those of you that are listening to this on the podcast are not seeing the trailer. Um, and Jeff, you kind of mentioned this to me earlier when we were talking about this. You really don't see, other than his hand and maybe a quick shot of his body, much like the real Bigfoot, you don't see a whole lot of Harry in that trailer. Mm. Yeah, that's something that uh, William Deere regrets about their marketing of the movie. Um, at the time, they thought that less is more, so by not showing... Uh, Harry, you're going to generate the interest. People are going to want to come and see um, what Bigfoot looks like. But instead, um, in the, the afterthought was, eh, we probably should have shown people and then let the, uh, what, what will Harry get into be what brings people to the movie? What will happen to Harry? Let that bring people in to see the movie as opposed to what is this creature? Yeah. But it's, it, it's, it's had a pretty strong, uh, for lack of a better term, cult following and, uh, and it's done well on DVD from what I, from what I've heard. So. Yeah. Well, and, and it did a decent job in the theater too. I, I guess it, I mean, it tripled its, tripled its budget. So, it did a, a pretty good job. I mean, critics didn't yeah, seem to care for still, it. But... They still considered it to not be successful. Right. Well, um, for a movie that is, I don't know, secretly, but you know, he's uncredited as a producer. For a Steven Spielberg produced movie, it, it is, I guess, a little bit on the lower end. Yeah. So a, a couple of things that I've got here for this. Um, interesting. Some interesting facts about Kevin Peter Hall, the actor that played uh, Harry. He he himself was seven foot two. When he put on the full costume, he was over eight feet tall. Um, and I did not know John Lithgow was as tall as he is. He's six foot four, and huh. standing next to Harry, he I mean he looks like he would be a average sized person. But John Lithgow himself is pretty tall. But um, the uh, in the full suit, they said he's over eight feet tall. Jeez. Um, a little bit about uh, Kevin Peter Hall. Um, and his death, what ended up happening, and I, I don't think I knew that. I mean, I think I knew this at one point in time, but I might have forgotten um, that he died in 1991. He was in a serious car accident in Los Angeles, 
And when he was uh, being operated on, he was accidentally given a blood transfusion that was contaminated with AIDS. Um, And obviously at the time, they did not have the same medical treatments and and things like that that we do now for HIV AIDS. So uh, I think it said in what uh, what I read that he caught pneumonia and died pretty shortly after. And he was only about maybe 35, 36 years old. Jeez. So not very old at all. Um, no, it's too bad. And kind of a funny, funny little bit. Um, in one of the scenes, John Lithgow's character is is when he's trying to draw the pictures of the uh, Bigfoot for his dad for the shop. He's complaining about um, how he did not, you know, his dad never wanted him to do anything with art, and and he kept asking for, you know, art supplies so that he could draw. And he was complaining that instead of art supplies, his dad gave him a BB gun, which I think is. Kind of funny that he's telling this to Melinda Dillon, who obviously played Ralphie's mom in a Christmas Story, and that whole movie revolves around a BB gun. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, last thing I've got here is the special effects. Uh, the makeup artist, Rick Baker, says that of all the things that he's ever done, and he has worked on American Werewolf in London, Michael Jackson's Thriller, Star Wars, he has said that Harry is his greatest and favorite character that he has ever created. Cool. And he did win the Oscar for the... Uh, the makeup work for Harry. So that's all I've got background wise on this one. Um, was this now, was this anybody's first time? I think, I think we've all seen it before, but Pat, you said you haven't seen this maybe since you were a kid. You know what? I, I, yeah, I think the only time, I mean, maybe if I caught snippets on TV, maybe I think I saw this in the theater with my family or we, got it pretty soon after it came out and watched it as a family. Um, and that maybe was the last time that I'd seen the movie. So. So what did you think of it after, after seeing it as a kid and now seeing it um, quite a few years yeah. later, what, what's your take on it? I, I thought it was a fun movie. I mean, it really, I, I, I should have watched it with my kids. I mean, I still can watch it with my kids, but I think that's where you get the most out of it. And you know, there's, there's little, character development beyond you know you just establish who the family is and it's just kind of a fun movie that i think kids would enjoy watching and you know it tells a good it's a good story you know they um uh you know harry makes it out there in the end and they kind of get a friend for life and everyone bands together and the bad guys become good guys and you know it all it all kind of works and and i think that's kind of what what they were shooting for with it um you know, my first take was, I, I think this is maybe what the critics were saying, but like the characters seem to be a little bit cardboard cutout like in that, you know, the, the, the boy was, the son was like everything that Harry did. Eh, that's awesome. He crushed all the steps, but that's okay. Cause he's awesome. You know? Yeah. And then the girl was like constantly rolling her eyes and just like, oh, oh my gosh, this is so gross. But you know, she really deep down loves Harry too. And you know, the mom softens her stance and John Lithgow, you know, gets a better understanding of, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, it, it just seemed, that seemed a little stock, but I mean, that's okay. You know, if you want a movie that the whole family can love and, and it's a fun story and a cute Bigfoot guy, then, then I think this movie hit, you know, it hit the mark. Jeff, what about you? You've you seen this a few times here and there over the years? Yes. I uh in fact I own this movie. It's part of my 
part of my movie library. Um, no, I, I really like this movie. You know, I, I, to me, it's, it's another movie that is just, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, nothing to think about. Mm-hmm. Movie. Um, I've always been interested in folklore of this magnitude. You know, uh, Bigfoot, Lock, that type of stuff. So this movie, uh, you know, has always appealed to me because it's it's an interesting idea of if there is a Bigfoot, what would it look like? How would it behave? And I like the idea that the uh, that the story takes Bigfoot in a gentle direction as opposed to being some sort of savage beast. That is the assumption that uh, that that's what it is. Um, yeah, no, I, I I like this movie a lot. I I again, it's another one. Just like I said with Three Men and a Baby, if I'm flipping through the channels and I come across this movie, I'm leaving it on. I'm, you know, it's, I'll watch it. I'll pick it up wherever it happens to be in the movie and just watch it till the end. Yeah, I think the same for me. I mean, I watched this as a kid and then watched it quite a bit growing up. And then I don't, I don't think I've watched it, you know, watching it. A couple months ago, we watched it with the kids because um, I think it might have been on Netflix. And that was probably the first time in maybe 10, 15 years that I had seen this movie. Um, And and the kids loved it. They uh, they thought it was hilarious. In fact, they kept begging me if they could be on the podcast tonight. Um, Cool. It's it's past your bedtime, but you can tell me what your favorite scenes are. And, you know, in in regular fashion, John was like, everything, the whole movie. The whole movie is my favorite scene. Um, and Nora was her favorite scene is when the the little Bigfoots step out from by the trees at the end of the movie. That was, that was her favorite part. So I've done my job. I've mentioned what their favorite scenes are. Uh, Sharon's favorite scene was that Ralphie's mom is in the movie because um, Christmas Story is one of her favorite movies. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. It's a fun like you said. It's a fun movie. You don't have to think too much about it. Um, you know, there's. There's a there's a little bit of a message there if you want to have uh, have a message to your movie, um, but it's just it's a fun movie. It's you know it's got it's got some great actors in it, and they for a movie that you would think would just be kind of a throwaway, um, you know, not a whole lot of substance necessarily to it. Just a fun little turn off your brain kind of movie. Uh, you know, they put in some great performances like the. Melinda Dillon is hilarious uh, in the same way that she was funny as Ralphie's mom. You know, just some of the little lines that she says and the way she delivers them. Um, yeah, she has, she has great comedic timing. Yeah. And has a really, really good sense of the tone in which she needs to deliver a lot of her lines. What's he doing? It's burying Grandma's mink stole. Don't you look at me like that. Why are you all looking at me like that? I didn't kill the poor little things. Grandma didn't kill them. Some ranchers raised them and killed them. And they only did that because they knew somebody would buy them. Come on, quick, everybody back to the house. I, there was there was one in particular that I thought was probably one of the one of the best in terms of like timing and just the way she said it was when they were talking about 
uh, kind of when Harry is first at their house, it's the next morning, and they're all there in the kitchen, and they're talking about whether they should keep him or not. And she makes a comment. She says, well, we don't even know if, if it's a boy or a girl. And the daughter goes, it's a boy. And she's like, well, how do you know? And she just kind of like looks. And she goes, oh, I'm, don't answer that, honey. And then they move on with their conversation. <laughs> but just like the way she says that, the way she responds to that, you know, the way she kind of rolls her eyes and she's like, no, 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 wait a minute. No, I don't want to know. Don't answer that. <sighs> we don't know if it's male or female. Definitely male. How can you tell? Oh, don't answer that, honey. Um, yeah, just the way she delivers that line, I thought was hilarious. Well, I, that when that I was great when Irene comes over uh, and you know she's like, "Oh, I have the mail," and she's like, "Oh, just put it on the fridge." And the fridge, yeah. of course, is laying on the floor on its side, right. wide open with food <laughs> all over the place. And she just so nonchalantly just says, "Oh, we'll just put the mail on the fridge." Yeah, like, you know, like it's like it's no big deal. And, and she has a lot of those moments throughout the movie that, again, it's just, it's, it's how she just puts those lines out there. Mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is, is, is hers. And some's kind of skipping ahead and giving a favorite quote. But one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when they're having the little exchange over um, the dinner when Dr. Wrightwood has shown up and he makes the comedy, something smells good. Mom, where's the roast? Ah, the roast. I'll get it, hon. The roast is uh, resting in a shallow, unmarked grave in the backyard. Oh, right. Well, there's plenty of other stuff. Are you vegetarians? Uh, Sometimes. It depends on the guest. And just how she just how she delivers that line, and just that to me, that's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, is just the way she says that, just very, almost almost a little sad, but just very straightforward, as if it's a common everyday thing. The roast is resting in a shallow, unmarked grave in the backyard. Yeah, and you know, it, it's like she's trying not to have to say that, but she just right. doesn't know how else to say it. Right. Like uh, it's it's resting in a shallow, unmarked grave in the backyard right like i'm not gonna lie about it i I will tell you the truth about where the roast is but i don't want to tell you the truth because it sounds ridiculous Uh uh-huh but yeah this movie i like you said jeff it's it's a you know if, if you're flipping through the channels and this was on i would definitely stop and watch it um you know and i think i think partly because of just the the performance by John Lithgow, I, I actually tweeted out uh, a day ago or a couple of days ago, um, just asking for any feedback if anybody had ever seen a movie that they thought John Lithgow uh, phoned in his performance. Because yeah. I, I, not that I've seen all of his movies, but I can't think of a movie or TV show that I've seen him in where he just is collecting a paycheck. Like, no matter what it is, no matter what the movie is, no matter what the quality of the movie, he seems to always bring it every time. Yeah. yeah. He commits quite hard to whatever he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. John, I was saying, I was telling you this earlier. Um, so, Pat, when I watched this, I watched it with the director commentary. Okay, cool. Uh, and William Deere was uh, just sharing all sorts of stories. And, and he talked a little bit about John Lithgow 
mm-hmm. sort of being very uncertain with, um, with how far to go in terms of how, how to portray George Henderson and how silly to be and, and what have you. And, okay. uh, and William Deere said, you know, he finally had to tell John Lithgow, don't be afraid to just go with it and see what happens. I promise you, though, I'm not going to make you look stupid. Oh, there you uh, go. But, I mean, you know, John Lithgow just really cares a lot about what he's bringing to a project, and he wants to make sure that, it, that it's, it's the right thing to bring to the project and, and uh, you know, just cares a lot about his craft. And he was coming off of uh, some um, more serious movies before he did this one. So that was kind of uh, his take in Hollywood at that point. Right. Cool. Yeah, I, um, yeah, he, uh, he, he definitely, I thought brought a lot to the whole, to the whole movie. You know, I mean, even if it was a more lighthearted movie, that the acting wasn't at least as, especially in his part, the acting wasn't forced. I mean, he really, you know, he, he really just, he really helped bring the whole thing alive, I guess, to use a cliche. For all the reasons that you guys said, I, I agree with that. So I, I want to back up for a second and go back to some of the stuff that Siskel and Ebert said as they were criticizing this movie. And for, I'll, I'll take a little bit of what Ebert said and a little bit of what Siskel said, and let me turn that around into a question for you guys and see what you think. Ebert, if I was going to sum up what Ebert said, is he said that there's no sense of awe about the fact that there could be this Bigfoot. Like, there's nothing... It's almost like he's saying there's no magic in this movie. Okay? So, that was Ebert's criticism of it. Siskel's was... um, I feel like, because he mentioned it twice, I feel like Siskel is saying the only reason that this movie works is because it's like a clone of E.T., that you have, you've got all these other movies because, you know, we've seen these other movies in the eighties that, you know, they're getting a lot more violent and there's a lot of action and all this other, and this just happens to be kind of like a cute, cheerful little Island in the middle of a bunch of violent movies with a a fairly anti-violent message to it. Um, And that's kind of the way E.T. was where you, you had these alien movies of, Oh, the aliens are going to kill us. They're going to steal our bodies. And then you've got E.T., who shows up and he just happens to be kind and caring and compassionate. And so Siskel, I think was trying to say that this movie is trying too hard to be a clone of ET. And Ebert was saying, there's nothing magical about this movie. What do you, how do you answer that? Hmm. Cause I think we've already, I mean, the three of us have kind of said, it's just a fun, cheerful movie that you wouldn't mind watching with your kids. And so to me that part of the magic is that it is cheerful, that you've got this creature that should be kind of big and scary. And yet, you know, even, even Nora who's six now, I mean, she sometimes will get scared if we're watching a movie that's got a monster or something in it like that. And like, she was totally fine with it. She knew that that was Harry and that Harry was a good guy and he was friendly and, and that it was really cool that there was this Bigfoot thing. So I don't know. I don't know. I, to me, it does seem like this is a whimsical movie that has some awe. I mean, everybody seems to be excited that there's a Bigfoot and, and oh, there's a Bigfoot and it 
so I don't know where his comments coming from. Yeah, I, I've never made, I've never made the connection between this movie and ET. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like that's that's a little bit forced. Yeah. Um, you know, like John, like you just said, I think it, it's more this idea that you know everyone is excited for Bigfoot for different reasons. You know, I mean, you you have the Henderson family, you have. Uh, George Henderson, who kind of goes on this, you know, has this moment of being a a part time hunter, a casual hunter, and Harry comes into his life and just kind of shows him, um, you know, it, it, there's better things out there than, or more important things out there than being a hunter. Then you have someone like um, Doctor. Uh, Whitewood, who all that he wants to in his life is just be able to see a Bigfoot and nothing more. He doesn't want it. He he just wants to know that they exist. And, and then I, you have what well, his and his mm-hmm. reaction at the dinner table when he turns and finally sees Harry standing there. I, to me, yeah, like that whole scene, Christmas. that whole scene where he screams Yahoo, is all that you need to refute everything Roger Ebert just said. There are no abominable snowmen. There are no Sasquatches. There are no big feet. (laughs) Am I missing something? Lord God. Dr. Wrightwood, say hello to Harry. Hello. 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 Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he something? Oh, he's so smart to have George has taught him how to sit. To sit? Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but I mean, that you also have LaFour, who he wants to find Bigfoot because he wants to kill it. He wants that notoriety of being the one to, uh, to discover Bigfoot. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone in the movie has a different reason for wanting to find Bigfoot. So I think there is a lot of a, a lot of awe and wonder in terms of this creature, this this mythological, folklorish creature. Yeah. To say that it's it it's a poor retelling of ET, I think is just way off the mark. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it, and I guess, um, okay, you say that it's a retelling of ET. Uh, I'm just not. I'm just not seeing how in this to say it's to say it's different or it's not as powerful as ET or or not as much awe i mean in in one sense i, I mean if he's talking about how ET you really didn't catch a glimpse of ET until partway through the movie and even that you weren't sure what the thing was cuz it was hiding and um uh you know it was kind of like kind of a a dimly lit screen and it was running around the 
the outside of the house and in and out of the closet. And you weren't sure if the thing was good or bad or, you know, it kind of kept you with some suspense. This movie really didn't keep you with the same amount of suspense. This movie, um, you know, I think within the first couple of minutes, Bigfoot gets nailed by the car. Right. And then you get the somewhat comic thing of the feet hanging off the top. Um, of when they're driving home, the only real suspense is when he goes out to look in the garage, but then he sees the thing in the house, you know, I mean, and that, that's, that scene is, is very quick. And I, I don't think that's bad, but I mean, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to, well, kids will love ET, but why do you need an ET clone? Why does it need to be more like ET? This movie's a, a lighter touch. This movie is, I don't want to say more fun, just I'll leave it at that. It's it's a lighter touch, so you're not going to have these long scenes of suspense or building or you know the kid grabbing your arm and like freaking out because he's not sure what's going to happen next, like you might have in ET. In this one, it's just supposed to be a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun. And okay, look at uh, 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 look at Bigfoot destroy the house as opposed to you know we have an alien loose. Is it good or bad or what? kind of thing yeah well and you know what after i read that i can see where they're coming from like i, I then i started to look at it I'm like well actually there are a lot of parallels to et but i don't care like it's still that doesn't even if this was even if they sat down and they said hey look we want to do a movie we want to capitalize off the success of something like et let's do it with a different character and instead of an alien let's do a bigfoot and it, even if they did that it's still an enjoyable movie Mm-hmm. I, I still like this movie. I still enjoy watching it. That's not going to, you know, then then fine. I'll put it on the shelf next to E.T. Uh, with the rest of my Blu-rays and DVDs and just say, okay, mm-hmm. if I want to go watch a movie about a creature that is lost away from home and living with humans and has to be kind of hidden, uh, but then at one point, you know, we, we get loose or something happens and we've got to go find it again or save it or whatever. Um, I think the only thing Harry doesn't do, does he drink a beer in this one? Mm, no. I don't think Harry ever drinks a beer. So, okay, well, aliens then are alcoholics. So E.T. is an alcoholic. This is more mm-hmm. of a family movie because Harry doesn't drink a beer. Um, but, you know, even if, because after I read that, I, I did start to go through and I'm like, okay, I hadn't made that connection before, and I can totally see where a lot of the things in this story are parallels to the E.T. story or, or a story like E.T., but I don't care. It, it doesn't change anything for me. It doesn't lessen my enjoyment of this movie just because mm-hmm. it might be a, a knockoff of E.T. So I, I don't agree with, you know, I don't agree with Ebert saying that there's no magic to this. Um, I think that people's, the, the actors' reactions to this and forgetting that that's someone in a costume. Um, I mean, the makeup job is phenomenal that Rick Baker did on this. It, totally forgetting that that's actually a human being in there. Even as an adult, I keep thinking, oh, that's that's a Bigfoot. No, it's a guy in a costume. But they did just such a great job of it that you you lose yourself in the movie. And so to me, that does bring some magic and some wonder to it. And you know, then Siskel's whole point of maybe it's not as endearing as E.T., I don't think so. Because the only thing... And I thought the music was pretty good in this movie too, but the only thing, if I looked at these two movies and said, okay, in terms of the stories of these, maybe I like the story of E.T. just a little bit better and the music I like of E.T., you know, definitely better. But other than that, I'd sit down and watch either one of these. 
and I don't, I don't have a problem with it. And I don't, I don't think one is any less funny than the other one. So I think maybe they, they were just being crabby. Maybe they need a little, a little big foot in their life. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think this story offers, um, you know, it, it, ha- it, it has the same type of emotional elements to it that E.T. did, maybe not to the same degree. But, I mean, this, this story tends to, uh, you know, play around with your emotions a little bit. You, know, you laugh, you, you, you're happy at times, you're scared at times, you're sad at times. I mean, this scene when uh, John Lithgow punches Harry trying to get him to run away. Oh, man. I mean, that, that, that's tough. That is a tough scene to watch at that point in the movie. And, yeah, you realize that he's doing it for Harry's own good. But, to, you know, when you start thinking about it, to, to be in that position, having to bring yourself to hurt someone that you care about to protect them, I mean, you know, that, that's that can be quite an, an emotional impactful moment as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, Cisco was trying to, trying to be too much of a movie critic at that point. When he, uh, when he compared it to ET. Yeah. I think he, he must've just been in a bad mood that day. Cause and it, uh, I feel like, especially if you saw it, and he says, you know, he went and saw it in the theater with an adoring audience. I kind of feel like with a movie like this, because watching it with my kids, it they enjoyed it, and I think my enjoyment was enhanced by their enjoyment. So I feel like had you gone to see this in a movie theater with people who seemed like they were enjoying the movie and were getting into it and, and like pulled along with the story then you got to be in a really crabby mood not to kind of have your own enjoyment enhanced by that. But who knows? Maybe he's just having a bad day. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I have one other question for you guys, and then we can uh, kind of wrap up with our uh, favorite quotes or if you have a favorite scene. Uh, my one question for you before we get to that is, do you actually believe in Bigfoot? I think it's fun to believe that there might be a Bigfoot. As much as, you know, it's fun to believe that there might be a Loch Ness, that there might be a, a, a Chupacabra, that there might be... You know, and, and any one of these, uh, the, these mythological folklore creatures. You know, there, there's a whole lot of world out there that is yet to be explored. Um... Now, am I going to be um, be like the guys on uh, that show on Animal Planet, Bigfoot Hunter, or whatever that is? No, I'm not. I, I'm not that into it. Where I'm going out in the middle of the woods at night and I'm proclaiming that I know how to call a Sasquatch and I know the sounds they make and I know how they communicate this, that, and the other. But I think it's it's fun to believe that it may be a thing that it may be real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not doesn't hurt anyone to believe that uh, that it may be real. So I have no proof that it's real, but I also don't, don't have any proof that it's not real. All right, Pat. So back to you on this one. Do you believe Bigfoot's real? You know, 
I'll say never met him. So I, I, I'm not going to say, uh, you know, absolutely not. But um, the, um, um, I, I don't expect him to come like uh, walking up to the house. But it's, 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 a, it's, it's a fun fantasy, you know, fantasy kid story. And I, I, don't, I don't think there needs to be any reality like, oh, well, that's kind of like stretching the truth a little bit. I think it's, you know, it's fun to, it's fun to just kind of uh, see a fun story and believe he might be real. So I, I think I'm I think I'm probably there with you. It's, I, I wouldn't have a problem believing he's real. I saw something on the news. Was it two weeks ago that they discovered a new organ in the human body? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, well, we've been with our bodies for you know quite a while now. So if we're just now in, in 2016, 2017, discovering new organs in the human body, then sure, there could be a Bigfoot out there somewhere because apparently we're not very observant. Mm-hmm. If, if we're just now learning of, of some of this stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't have a problem with, you know, growing up in the South, there's always, especially in the more rural areas, there's always these stories going around about the, the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch, the Woodbooker, the <clears throat> whatever else the names are. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have a problem believing that, that there was such a thing if, if somebody were to discover one someday. Um, mm-hmm. there actually is this, this funny, another podcast that I listened to. He years ago played this clip uh, of a guy who claims to have seen a Bigfoot on uh, like walking by his house. And it's mm-hmm. this, hair, this hilarious, it's this older country guy. And uh, you, it's it's very much, I think it was featured on the news, the local news of, of wherever they were, maybe in Georgia or, or Carolina somewhere. And it's this guy, he's like, ah, sitting on my porch. And he come walking out. He was 10 feet tall. He had beautiful <laughs> hair. And you start going to this whole thing about how he, he grabbed a stick and he waved at the Bigfoot. He's like, get, get on out of here. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know that I'm going to trust his word. Um, <laughs> you could maybe, maybe he's not quite the credible source that we're all hoping for. No, 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 no. He's partaking a little bit of the moonshine there. So, um, I don't know if I'm going to trust him on it, but, you know, if they were to say someday, yeah, we've discovered something that's kind of like a Bigfoot or whatever. Jeff, when you said Chupacabra, it made me think we need to have a movie with a Chupacabra. I'm sure there already is one. Like a a Chupacabra and the Chesterson. (laughs) Nice. I think that's that's the next one. If they're not going to, I don't think they're going to do a sequel to Harry and the Hendersons, so. Pat, I was telling John earlier today. That scene at the end of the movie where uh, Harry walks into the woods and all of a sudden there's a bunch of other Bigfoots Mm -hmm. is based on the idea that um, it's believed that uh, a Bigfoot can so easily blend into its surroundings that it could be 20 feet away from you and you'd never know it. Yeah. So the director really wanted to put that scene in the movie where all of a sudden these other, you know, Bigfoots just tend to appear out of thin air. Yeah. Kind of had to fight with the producers of the movie to uh, get that scene put in because the producers didn't think people would buy it. And see, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the end of the movie is, is seeing the whole family step out there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And I remember that as a kid being struck by that, you know, that that's not just like a, as an adult going, Oh, well, that's cool. Huh? That makes you think I remember as a kid being like, wow, cool. You know, that's awesome. So. 
Yeah, it, like it just it. It's a moment where you just get a little bit more excitement about the possibility of a Bigfoot right at the end of the movie. So as the movie's winding down and you start winding down as an audience member, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, what? What? There, there's another one? There's two more? There's a baby one? What's going on? And then the movie ends. Mm-hmm. It just sort of builds you back up again. And let's, and as, as you're done with the movie, just, you know, puts you back on a high note as you're uh, enjoying the rest of the movie, or uh, and, and as you're walking away from the movie. Right. Right. So the sequel was going to be that a human now gets lost in the woods and has to spend several days being raised and trained by a Sasquatch family. <laughs> nice. I, how did the how did the TV show fit in? Was it just did it have some semblance of matching with the timeline or was it just like well, Jeff, you were saying that people were kind of treating it like it was an alternate reality, you know, like what if he had not gone back to the forest? Yeah, that, that's what I had heard and had read. And I, the director kind of mentioned that a little bit, too, in his commentary is that the TV show is, is sort of a, a different take on it. If Harry had stayed with the family, mm. what would what would that have been like? They're, them continuously having to hide him and still maintain a quote-unquote regular lifestyle. Well, and, and I remember watching, we used to actually watch the TV show regularly, and if I'm remembering right, I want to say like the last season or two of the TV show, um, the public finds out that Harry exists. And so during the last maybe a couple of seasons, then they didn't have to hide him so much anymore. He was almost like a like a local celebrity. Um, mm-hmm. And so then some of the stories that they did in the TV show were more based on, you know, Harry is getting in these crazy situations in town with the rest of the townspeople and uh, stuff like that. So that was a little bit different too, where they, they ultimately decided, yeah, this having to hide him from everybody thing is getting kind of old. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just try something different and see what happens. And I, I can't say that I remember too much about the TV show. I can't pick out individual episodes and tell you anything about them, but I do remember that part that they did kind of shift it part of the way through towards the end and made it so that everybody in that local area knew that, that Harry existed. Mm-hmm. So I've already given my, we'll, we'll finish up with our, our favorite scene or favorite quote. I've kind of already given mine. Um, you know, my favorite quote is the roast is resting in a shallow unmarked grave in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I think in terms of, if I had to pick a favorite scene, um, I'm going to pick not a favorite scene in that I really enjoy the scene, but just a scene that is most memorable to me is the one where they're trying to, Jeff, you said, trying to get Harry to go back into the forest and, uh, George has to punch him in the face to, to try to get him to go back. I mean, that even as a little kid that I was about to say that struck me. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I see what you did there. See I see what, what I did you there did too. there. God, That's a bit too on the face. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. A bit, bit on the nose. Yeah. Well, sometimes you hit the mark. Sometimes you don't. Um, I'm, I'm still looking for the punchline. Oh, oh man. Good night, everybody. Um, <laughs> But I think that's my, it feels weird to say that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, but I think that is one of my favorite scenes just because of 
Jeff, of what you said, like it's a, it's a very powerful scene of, you know, you're, you're, you didn't expect that that would happen, that they, they seem to love each other. And then he, you know, in order to protect him, he's going to go so far as to punch him in the face to try to get him to leave and and separate from the family. So I got to pick that one as my favorite, even though it's not, it doesn't fit, I think, with the rest of the mood of the movie or, or what we want to take away from the movie. Um, but I think that's probably got to be one of my favorite scenes. So what about you guys? Hmm. Pat, I don't remember any motorcycles, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, you know, as far as like favorite quotes, I do like the part uh, and I, it had gone right over my head when I saw it, I think originally, but when the daughter, and you referenced this earlier, but when the daughter was like, well, he's definitely a man or a, definitely a guy. Well, how can you tell? And she just gives the look. I mean, I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny. That was that was well done. I like I mean, that was just kind of a light throwaway scene. Um, I I kind of like. You know, I, I like the scene where. You know, he starts questioning, you know, he's he's working at a gun shop and everything. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, the news media is getting on it. And he's like, this is, you know, we, we can't do this. We can't, like, make us, what did the guy, they, the, you know, his dad wanted to be the Sasquatch headquarters at Bigfoot B, BFQ or something. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. the big, Bigfoot headquarters. And he's just like, BHQ. yeah, he's just like, we, we can't do this. He says, I mean... You know, you're just going to have people trying to buy, you know, every high powered gun that you can possibly imagine and running around. Someone's going to get seriously killed, you know, or seriously hurt or seriously killed here, you know, with everybody thinking they're this big sportsman. Um, And I kind of like that scene. And it's funny because. And this is something you said, no motorcycle, but when when he made that line, it was uh, it it just kind of made me think you know, especially because, you know, the gun debate is so prevalent today. But, you know, here was a portrayal of a guy that was a sportsman and worked in a gun shop and just said, you know, not every single person just because they buy a gun makes them a, you know, a skilled hunter or, a, a, you know, a good shot or something like that. And on a tangent, it's funny. I was uh, I was reading a book about um, here's another movie from the 80s, The Cannonball Run. But that was a uh, that was a that was a real race. I mean, there was a, it was a real outlaw race across the country. And the guy that started it back in the '70s, he knew it had he part of the reason that he knew it it would had kind of run its course in the '80s, is because uh, they were going to run the they were going to run the race again. And some guy had picked up uh, a a black like high power you know super supercar. I think he picked up a Lamborghini Countach that was featured in the movie. And the guy came up to him at the start and said, hey, check this out. I'm going to, you know, you know, I'm totally going to win this year's cannonball or something. And the guy saying, man, you know, this guy's not a high performance driver. He's not a stunt driver. He's not. And he's got this car. He's going to kill himself. And, you know, it's it's just I thought that was a, uh, you know, just not not something any deeper than just a little bit of social commentary like uh, that came out of the movie. And I really like that scene and the way he was just you know, here he was the sportsman, this was his job, but it was just like, you know, he was kind of questioning what was going on with the whole thing. So I guess, I guess I, I like that scene. Not, not a funny ha ha thing, but it, it just kind of made you think. Yeah. Jeff, what was yours? Um, I, 
I like a lot of this movie. I think there are a lot of a, a lot of scenes that have a lot of merit, a lot of lines that that get thrown out there that are a lot of fun. Um, one of my favorite lines is when George Henderson is uh, kind of getting fed up with with all the hunting that's going on, um, and uh, you know the guy's trying to buy a gun. He's like, "Well, we've got some big guns, and we got some big, big guns." I'm afraid we're all out of big, big ammo. You know, just really kind of mocking uh, all these people in line that are that are trying to buy weapons to be able to to hunt the Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, one of the scenes that sticks with me most, though, John, is like you. It's that scene when he's trying to get Harry to run, to to go, to hide. You know, and 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 just socks him in the face. Um, and then that whole part of the movie, because then, um, you know, Ernie points out that all they have to do is follow their, you know, follow his footprints to be able to find them. So what do they do? You know, they all strap on, um, um, molds of footprints to create different tracks. Yeah. And, you know, Harry's up in the tree and he sees, George and he kind of rubs his cheek as he looks down at George and you know Harry's processing all of this and you, you, and you kind of get a sense of what he's thinking and what he's feeling and how conflicted he is and almost maybe he understands what George was trying to do at the time leading up to the point where you have George and Lafour um starting to fight and George is shoving him up against the car mm-hmm. and the one thing that stops George from you know, really tearing into the floor is Harry. Yeah. He puts his hand on both of them. Yeah. Like he's the one that steps in and, and offers that peace between them. Like, you know, you guys need to stop. You know, I, I, I just think that whole, that whole part, the whole spectrum of emotions that go on through that, that whole oh, five or 10 minutes or whatever it is, the movie towards the end there, you know, really kind of sums up what, uh, what the heart in the movie, uh, you know, really is, you know, how far are you willing to go to protect those that you care about? And, you know, is violence the way to go about protecting those that you care about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, this, I mean, it, it's just, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Yeah. And if, if anybody's listening and, and, you know, Pat, you said you were, you know, you could go watch this with your kids and, and totally. I did watch it with my kids and, and they thought it was hilarious. They loved it. Um, you know, wanted to watch it again. And, um, you know, so I, it's, it's one of those movies that, you know, sometimes there's some of the eighties movies that are rated PG and, and you think, Oh, you sure it's PG. So I can watch it with my kids. And sometimes maybe not so much. Um, mm-hmm. but this one even, you know, even though there are times where it, it seems like Harry could be a little scary when you've got some of the, you know, they're trying to build some tension and make you think that something scary is going to happen. Um, it really doesn't. And, and you know, my, my daughter, who doesn't necessarily like to watch movies that have monsters and things in them, like I said before, she was fine with it. She thought it was hilarious. She loved the movie. She loved the character. Um, so, you know, if, if anybody's out there and you're wanting to, if you watch this as a kid and you're wanting to watch this maybe with your family and if, if you've got, uh, maybe if your kids are a little bit too young, um, you know, I'd say maybe if they're younger than five, uh, 
maybe give it a pass for now, but uh, I'd say if they're older than five, then they can probably, they probably wouldn't be, especially if we prepped them a little bit. Um, show them some pictures online of, of Harry uh, giving that big toothy smile uh, and they'll be fine. But yeah, just a, a fun movie, just a fun movie. Um, like you guys both said, not a whole lot that you have to think about. If you want a little bit of a, a message to your movie about, you know, dealing with violence and, and uh, you know, animal rights and things like that, then sure, I guess you can, you can find a little bit here and there about it. But um, just get just a nice, enjoyable movie, um, kind of on the level with or similar to an E.T. Um, so if you haven't watched it yet, give it a try. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to say about Harry and the Hendersons? No, no, I think no. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we, uh, we recommend it. Um, so go take a look for it. I think, I don't know if it still is. Um, it was on Netflix a little while ago. Um, but the, the DVD itself is not too hard to find. I think it was for us, it was at most of our local libraries around here. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a pretty easy one to track down. Um, I can see it on my shelf right now. There you go. Um, go to Jeff's house. Go to Jeff's yeah, house. Um, the one thing that I am going to have to borrow off your shelf that I was having a hard time finding, Jeff, is our movie for next week, and that is the family classic Over the Top. Oh, jeez. Are, are you ready for this? Got my hat on backwards. I'm ready. Go. Well, then that, oh, means, that means stuff is getting real. Because it's not <laughs> like... I kind of feel like... Like the next time, maybe at work, if I'm being observed or something like that, I'm going to start with a hat on the right way. And then when I'm like, okay, you know, this, I don't know if this is going real well. I got to turn this around. I'm going to slide the hat over backwards. Like, you know what? This is, this is just now getting real. That's it, man. And then, and then you go with the thumb thing and the over the top and boom, that makes all the difference. I don't know. We'll talk about it next week. Awesome. I, I will admit I have not seen that movie probably in 20 years. It's been a while. Well, I'm, I'm excited because I didn't even know that that movie existed until maybe like a month ago or maybe when we were talking about the Canon Films Group and you mm -hmm. said, hey, they made a movie about everything, including arm wrestling. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay, so yeah. I'm I'm definitely uh definitely curious to see what this contains. Yeah, welcome to the American decadence of the eighties. Yeah, there's there you go. When you can when you can make a movie about arm wrestling. All right. Well until then, uh you can catch us on, oh you know actually one thing I want to do because it is uh Bigfoot themed. Um I have cousins that live in Columbia, Missouri. Um they went to the University of Missouri. And they live in Columbia, and they own a, a custom printing T-shirt shop. And the name of their shop is Fast Yeti Tees. So Yeti as in like Bigfoot. Um, so if, if anybody's listening to this, and at some point in time you need some custom T-shirts printed up, uh, then you can go to their website. It's Fast, as in Speedy. So Fast Yeti Tees, T-E-E-S dot com. Um, and... Uh, They'll uh, they'll get you hooked up with some with some good T-shirts. Um, they actually, when my dad was uh, sick in the hospital just before he passed away, um, we had had a T-shirt made for him that we were going to have him wear while he was doing his his physical therapy after he had had a stroke. And um, by the time by the time the, the they got it made for me really fast, 
Uh, but by the time they got it made and sent it, he had already passed away. But they uh, they kind of did that as a favor for us when when all that was going on. But uh, um, yeah, so you know, if you ever want to get any, uh, they've got a whole bunch of their website too. But I figured since we're doing a Bigfoot show, then uh, we might as well have a, a little shout out there for a Bigfoot themed uh, custom T-shirt printing shop. I'm looking at their uh, looking at their website right now. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I'm a fan of, of these types of t-shirts. Oh yeah. I like the snowman one. Have you seen that one? Uh, haven't come across it yet. Okay. There's a picture of a snowman and it's, I think maybe there's a, a, a like an image of the sun, uh, up in the corner of the t-shirt and down next to the snowman, it says, I'm going to die soon. <laughs> I'm kind of a fan of that one. Like if I needed to go get a Christmas t-shirt, I, I probably would do something like that. But uh, but anyway, just wanted to give them a shout out because they are named after the Yeti. And since our show is all about Yetis and Sasquatches and other stuff tonight, I figured I'd give them a quick little shout out. Um, but uh, you can reach us at 30podcast.com. That's our website. We are at 30podcast on Twitter. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. We're on Instagram. we got a Gmail, 30podcast at gmail.com. You can give us a call uh, and leave us a voicemail message if you'd like to. Otherwise, we are on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play Podcast. We're on iTunes, and you can listen to us directly from 30podcast.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, We've got some other movies coming up soon. I'll just run down the list really fast of the movies coming up in February. So if you've got any feedback you want to send us on those movies, or watch them ahead of time so you can join us each week. Uh, Again, we've got Over the Top coming in January. And then in February, we are running into our Pat's favorite month of the year. Uh, February is the Romantic Comedies Month. Oh, there you go. So Pat's looking. We we may try to end it with the Lego Batman movie. So we'll, which I'm sure at some point there's a love story in that too, because every movie is basically a love story. Um, But in February, we're going to be doing Overboard. Moonstruck, oh. Summer School, oh. Roxanne, and the Lego Batman movie. All great movies. Yep. And you know what? Oh, the funny thing is... I'm assuming Lego Batman is a great movie. Oh, I'm sure it will be. All of the movies in the month of February, I have not seen a single one of them. Neither have I. Yeah. This is new. Really? Jeff you, Jeff, you say they're awesome? Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I have not seen a single one of these movies. You've never seen Overboard. You've never seen Moonstruck. You've never you've never seen Roxanne. I have not. Oh, such a great movie! I have seen I've seen bits and pieces of Moonstruck, and I've seen bits and pieces of Roxanne, but never the full movie. So good. So I'm I'm kind of excited for this month. I mean, I'm I I like you know I'm I'm not a, a chauvinist like Pat is. I'm a fan of romantic comedies. So, um, <laughs> so I don't that I don't have. Is. I don't Roxanne have a. I don't. Is a great, Roxanne is a, is a great uh, adaptation of Shakespeare. Yeah. That you know, if you if you've read uh, Cyrano or you understand mm-hmm. yeah. the Cyrano, Roxanne just does a great job in honoring that story. Yeah. Cool. And Steve Martin is awesome in it. Yeah. Yeah, I know the bits and pieces I've seen of that one they were always funny, but I just have never actually gone and through and seen the entire movie from from start to finish. So, so I'm looking forward to February because I, with all these other movies we do, yes, I am. Am I totally pumped for March when we get to watch Lethal Weapon, RoboCop, Dragnet, The Untouchables, The Living Daylights, and Logan? Yes. See, Pat, we're gonna make up for it with March. 
Yeah, and hey, you know what? I mean, there's some rom- romantic comedies I like. I mean, what was, what was the, uh, what was the romantic comedy that had uh, 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 Wolverine and uh, Sabretooth in it? Um, that was X Men. No, 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 no. This was a legit. Well, Kate and Leopold. Kate and Leopold was good. Oh yeah. You I know. Did, I thought you were trying to turn that around and be like, no. I mean, the romantic comedy that you know, that one had Wolverine and Sabretooth and Cyclops and Jean Grey in it. <laughs> That's my favorite no. romantic comedy. No, man, I'm, I'm being legit. Kate and Leopold, I like that one. That one's good. That uh, that romantic comedy, what was that one? It was called uh, Triple X. The Triple X, uh, the, the action well, movie, but it was also a romantic comedy. That's a different comedy. kind of romance, John. <laughs> well, I know. This is, a, this is a family podcast. Well, as far as you know. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Well, All on right. that note, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. So that's what we got coming up soon. So if you want to get ahead of this and uh, watch some of those, again, we've got Over the Top coming next week. And then after that, we've got the Romantic Comedy Month. Um, and uh, we will, you know, actually, we've got this listing. I'll, I'll post them up on our website and on our uh, Twitter page as well. So you'll be able to see this list also. Um, but uh, in the meantime, thank you for joining us. And we will be back here next week with Over the Top. So we will see you then. Thank you, Jeff. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, John. Thanks, Jeff. All right. And for everybody here at the 30 something movie podcast, uh, we hope you have, we hope you that you will be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies, preferably 80s movies, but whatever. Just go watch some good movies. All right. We'll see you all next time. I found myself.